Thank y'all. Man, I love that guy. You know, I'm extremely blessed. Pastor David's in my life group. So that's a good, that's a good place to be. I, I really enjoy um, our kids' ministry. So next week's going to be a lot of fun. Just FYI, family picnic. I know a lot of you like to go to the lake, hang out at the pool, sit in the air conditioner on the couch watching TV. Well, we're not going to do that, but we're going to go out to the ball field next week. Here's what I need you to bring, okay? Are you listening? Bring your lawn chairs. That's all you need to bring. Bring yourself and your lawn chairs. It's going to be food and family and fun, all that good stuff. And we're going we're gonna to believe that it's going to be a little cooler. We're praying for a breeze, right? Praying for a breeze and, and no rain, because I am really looking forward to, um, to being on the ball field for the family picnic next, next week. So... I am extremely excited to share with you. I was, I don't know, about six weeks ago, I felt like the Lord told me, prepare a message. You've got a message to share. And I was like, when am I going to share that? Well, about two weeks ago, Pastor Zach comes up and says, hey, would you, would you teach on Wednesday? And I was like, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it. So you're going to get about six weeks of my thoughts so I'm going to try to condense it down. Ah, there's only 38 minutes and 40 seconds on the clock. That's going to be tough, but we'll try. But what a great message that we've had going with, with this series of a spiritual fight. The first thing that you need to know about a fight is that you're in one. There's nothing worse than getting slapped silly upside the head and not even knowing somebody was coming. Can you, can you agree with me that we are in a spiritual fight? Yes. We're fighting spirits. We're fighting strongholds. And, and as Pastor Zach said a few weeks ago, a stronghold is not a strong demon. It's, it's a strong thought. It's a habit of thought. It's, it's a way that we have just made ourselves accustomed to living. In um, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says this, we are destroying. Now, that sounds like a fight to me. That sounds like a fight that I want to be in. I want to be on that side, right? We are destroying arguments, all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Now, here's the bad news. That battle is largely between our ears. The obedience that we are striving for is for our, our mind to be renewed to the Word of God. That we put Him as preeminent in all things, amen? So just a little bit of review. Ephesians 6, 10, and 12 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's super, super important. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's a pretty important thing to be aware of because I can tell you most of the time that I've had a spiritual battle or I've had a battle with something, 
it's usually got a name and a face. And my wife has the same problem. Sometimes that battle looks a whole lot like this face. Any, any of you guys feel that way? I'm not, I'm not throwing her under the bus. I'm just saying that sometimes we agree with things that we shouldn't agree with. We, sometimes we have not cast down those thoughts. Because sometimes it just feels good to say that thing. Sometimes it just feels good because you're just like, you're stirred up, you're wound up. And you, you just want to release it, right? You just want to let it go. You just want to let it fly. I have found that it feels a whole lot worse afterwards because you can't get the toothpaste back in the tube once it's out. We do not fight against flesh and blood. The main fight of flesh and blood that we have is our own. That's where we cast down that, those, those high thoughts. Our enemies, review here, the Satan, the flesh, and the world. Amen? So we've got our flesh that we're trying to fight against. We've got um, these things in the world, in the fallen world. You know, God created a perfect world. In Genesis 1, it says, not only did he create a perfect world, he created a race of people just like him made in his image, and he gave them, he gave them authority over the earth, over the animals, over everything that creeped and crawled, and all of those things. He gave them a spirit. Do you know that God has given each of us a spirit? And that spirit, when we accept Jesus as Lord, it's resurrected. I've heard it said before, you've already got it. If you've received Jesus, you've already got it. He has woke up your spirit, Pastor Tim. He's woken it up. And, and we sit there and we're just like, I got to get more in me. I got to get more in me. I got to get more in me. I, gotta get, I just got to get more in me. I've been there. I remember every Sunday being born again, again, and again, and again, and again, and again. I'm telling you, if you put your trust in Jesus, he has revived your spirit. He has made it new. Amen? Amen. And what our goal is now is to do just what Adam and Eve did in the garden garden before the fall, to walk with the Lord, to follow him. In this body, the body of Christ, he's given so many gifts, so many talents, so many treasures in this, this jar of clay. It's just crazy. Those come out, those giftings, they come out as we follow him. Our call is not, my call, I really don't believe is to be a pastor, to teach, or to counsel, or any of those things. I really believe that my call is the same as those apostles, it's to follow Jesus. Where's he going? Your call is the same. Now you have giftings, I have giftings, and and it's beautiful when those all come together, when they all are are fitted together so, so wonderfully. So we're fighting these enemies, the Satan, the flesh, the the world, and the tools of destruction are this. They're very, very simple. They're lies and they're pride. Those are the two tools of destruction that we are fighting every day. They... The lies and the deception 
if we can just get off one, one little bit off of trajectory, if we can just somehow go from sympathy to pity, just that much, right? What's the difference? Well, one, we care about somebody else and we're, we're putting ourselves in their shoes and we're, we're not dishonoring. We're going, God, help them, lift them up. The other goes, ah, oh, man, must, must stink to be them. We forget to put ourselves in that same place. That, that far off. Most of you, most of you and, and myself, we're not going to be tempted with some huge, egregious thing. We're going to be tempted with, with just getting off just that much. Lies and deception. And it, it feels really good when we're focusing on ourselves and our own pride. That is what led Adam and Eve to that great fall. But I'm going to tell you the end of the story before we even get started. Because what happened in Genesis was restored at the cross. And in Colossians 1, 19, it says this, For in him the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Our battle doesn't just have one facet. We are not just spiritual people. We have a spirit that God has placed in us. We have a soul. When I say soul, I want you to hear what I'm saying. We have a mind, a will, and an emotion. Or some of us have more than one emotions. Hopefully we're learning to practice that. But you know what? Adam and Eve in the perfect garden, they had a soul. They had a mind. They had a will. They had emotions. Do you ever think about that? Those things aren't evil. They were just corrupted by the fall. They had a body. Do you know our body is not evil? God, we just said that Jesus is desiring by the cross to restore all things back into himself, whether on earth, so the spirits, the physical, all of those things, they have a place of restoration. And we become very, 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 I think Pastor David said it well a while ago, weird when we are outside a community and we're trying to just live in one little box and we're only putting the syrup in, in one little waffle square, you have been given, <laughs> you've been given, Brother Stephen, you've been given a whole bottle of syrup to pour in your waffle. And there's probably some butter that's melted and going in there too. You know, I think that's, I think that's the, the spirit, the oil. Not only is our spirit sanctified like that, our soul, it's being sanctified. It's a process. That part of us is the part of our mind that needs to be renewed by the word, amen? But you know, we, we have just as much authority there. We have just as much authority there. We have authority in this earth because of what Jesus has done. 
I really do believe this. I've said it before, but I believe the grass in my yard should be greener because my eyes are looking at Jesus. As your will is in heaven, let it be on earth. If we're that conduit and we're bringing that authority, we're bringing that blessing to earth, we're called to partner with him. It's not for us. It's for his kingdom. That's where we get a little bit off in the prosperity message. We think it's about us. No, 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 no. It's about the kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom of God. What is he doing? Who is he pursuing? Can I tell you, when we get flipped, when we get the the script flipped, and we see our enemy as flesh and blood, we are going against the will of God. We are... We are literally going against his word because what I promise you is that God is for my enemy as much as he's for me. And when we flip that script and we think that this battle is, has something to do with us, we miss it. Not only do we miss it, we, we miss out on the, on the power that goes along with it. So we are in a spiritual fight. And what I want to talk about tonight is is not necessarily all of our refrigerator uh, passages that we put up there. I want to talk about the storms of life, the hard things in life, the difficult things where we are trying to carry it ourselves, where we've lost somebody very, very close to us, when somebody has attacked us and we feel attacked, where we have pursued God with all of our heart and not seen what we wanted to see happen. Each and every one of us will go through storms in our life. Jesus said so. It says in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have, you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. He says that we're going to have tribulation, trouble, difficulties. But I want you to know something. There's very few things I value more than peace. Very, very few, few things that I, you cannot buy peace. You can't, there is nothing to me better than peace. I really like it. But peace is not the fruit of something external. The other day I was in a worship service and it was just beautiful. Oh my gosh, have you ever just been in a worship service? This one here tonight was so good as well. And you just feel that palatable peace. You've been working all day. You've, you've been busy all week. This was a Saturday morning. Who wants to get up on a Saturday morning and, and drive and go somewhere? Well, that day I got to go and be a part of a worship service. And I'm just there. I'm just going, God, I was so tired with this morning. I wanted to sleep in. But I'm just so thankful for the peace that you're giving me. I'm so thankful, God. This is just beautiful. Like, if this is worth getting up at even earlier in the morning. It's not that I, I, like, I like to get up early in the morning. I just don't like to leave my little cubby hole in the morning. 
I need, I need, if I had my choice, I'd have like three hours just all like locked away all by myself. And then I come out and, and that's, that's beautiful. Don't have to see anybody. Don't have to cook anybody, any of the kids breakfast and any of that stuff. You know, maybe I'm being a little selfish there. I do tuck them in at night. So we, we, we switch. Like she cooks the breakfast and gets them ready. I tuck the kids in, in, into bed at night. I'm telling you this for a reason. Peace is a beautiful thing. Are we called to follow? Now, hold on a second. Don't, don't answer this yet, okay? Because it could be tricky. I want to give you the answer. Are we called to follow peace? We can be led in our spirit through peace. But I'm thinking, man, God, I just love this peace I'm feeling right now. I'm going to go... Look up some scriptures about peace. And I heard a, nope. What do you mean? I need to go look up some scriptures about peace. I need to read about peace. And I'm, I'm in a, a, a portion of the Bible called the Psalms of Ascent. I, I just like to read that during worship. It, it's right in the middle, Psalm 120 to about Psalm 133. And I'm, I'm reading through these and I'm going, was well, there peace anywhere in here? I, was like, I felt like God told me to, to read the Psalms of Ascent. I'm like, okay. I love those. You know, I didn't find the word peace in there. What I found was, I looked to the mountains and where does my hope come from? My hope comes from the Lord. I see over and over again, he is saying, look to him. Because let's face it, in the garden, there was two choices given. One to eat from the tree of life and one to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Can I tell you that sometimes the knowledge of good feels about that far away from the tree of life, but the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good couldn't be further away. If we're looking for peace and that's like what we're focused on. If we're looking for truth, if we're looking for anything but Jesus, yes, we need to be educated. We need to learn. I'm hoping to do that some tonight. But our focus can't be on the thing that we're needing because the thing that we're needing is a who that we are needing. Amen? Who we need is to look to Jesus. Our eyes need to be placed up and looking to him. So... Jesus promised we will have tribulation. I said earlier the, the waffles, right? So we've got different squares that need some syrup and butter there, right? Our, our spirit, our soul, and our body. And it says this in uh, 1 Peter 3, uh, 14 through 17. It says, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake... It's talking about suffering again. Isn't it amazing how many times that's in there? I thought once we were Christians, we didn't have to do that anymore. <laughs> but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you, For 
a reason of the hope that is within you. That is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile you for good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. I want to tell you a story after a while about the hope that is within us. Six weeks ago, I saw a beautiful picture of hope in the middle of a storm. We were in Wyoming on a mission trip with the the Bible College, and we got to minister to a bunch of youth that night. It was just beautiful. They were a lot of fun. And we're dropping kids off in the van, and the pastor we were working with says, hey, I need you to pull over into this parking lot. I need you to pull over here. I was driving the van, and she said, I need to talk to that lady right there. Okay, I pulled the van up. And uh, she gets out, and she gives her a great big hug. I mean, this lady just has a smile on her face that could just make the grouchiest old goober grin. I mean, she was just as happy as she could be, just smiling. We're in Wyoming. It's in April. It's 30 degrees outside. And where I pulled into was a drive-in motel. Been there? You've ever seen one of those or at least passed by? The rooms aren't very big. So she is in the parking lot with like nine kids, What is going on here? This is interesting. Just smiling from ear to ear. So the pastor gets back in the car after about five or ten minutes and and says, hey, I want to tell you the story about this woman. Four days before Christmas, her husband committed suicide in the home. Killed himself, shot himself in the home. Oh my gosh. I mean, kids there. Two weeks later, the brother, the uncle, is in a fight, and the police come in and have to kill a guy in their home in front of the kids. This place is dark, guys. Like, it was extremely dark. But out of the darkness, when you saw that woman smile, you knew that the hope within her was not because of her situation. The hope within her was because of who she knew and where her focus was. Her focus was not on the despair. Her focus was not in the darkness. She was doing the best of what she could. She was playing hide and seek out in the parking lot with those nine kids. She was loving on them. We got to baptize her that Sunday morning, Easter morning, and she came out of that water just shouting. It was just fantastic. It was so good. And we look around at the weight that we're dealing with and the things that we're carrying and And we forget the hope that's within us. So what I want to share with you tonight is that we have a hope within us. And there is, when we are assured of that, when we look to that, when we look to Jesus, we can share that hope with those around us. We are learning to discern how to fight in spirit, in life, and in the world, in our thought life and in the world. So in 1 Thessalonians, when I talk about spirit, soul, and body, what was the soul? Mind, will, and emotions. This is where a lot of that comes from. It says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Man, 
goes back to that whole thing. I had to honor one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. <sighs> yep, it's hard. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. You know, that whole thing of when somebody comes to you, that admonishing is when they bring a correction and you are wise enough, as the Proverbs say, to respond to it and not run away. When you're wise enough to actually search your own heart. One of the greatest things that we can do is search our hearts. Search my heart, O oh God. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. There's been weeks at a time I've had to read that over my own mind. Because I want him to renew my mind. I want him to refresh that stronghold and that the stronghold is no longer my thoughts, but his. Amen. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Be patient with a few of them. <laughs> Be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil, anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. This verse changed my life one day. I used to thank God in some perverse way for all the bad that was happening because I just like, God, you're going to make it work for my good somehow. Like, boy, defeated, beaten up. We had, we had lost four babies in the womb. I'm just going, God, I don't, I don't know. What are, you, what are you trying to teach me? Can I tell you that we don't, Thank God for death and destruction. But in the midst of it, because he is good and he will restore, we thank him in the middle of the storm. That will change your life when we start thanking God because he is bigger than our issues. In Romans 1, it says, because they have not given thanks and they have not honored God as God, they were given over to the foolishness of their hearts and the darkness of their minds. I don't want that stronghold of my mind to be dark. I want to thank God, and I want to see just how big he is. You start talking to kids about how big God is, and you'll get some really cool questions, okay? Well, where did God come from? That's a good question to ask when you're seeking the enormity and the holiness and the grandeur of our God. Because he, does, he has no beginning. He has no end. Well, when, when did God make Jesus? It says from the beginning he was there. He was the word. Man, stretch your mind. Just because you can't understand something doesn't mean you don't need to think about it. This, is that too confusing? <laughs> Just because I don't understand something doesn't mean I don't need to contemplate. Especially when it comes to looking at God. He's so big. He's so great. He's so grand. All right. So in all things, in all circumstances, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Oh, man. 
You're saying your will for me is not some mission or some calling or some gifting or all these different things. Your will for me is to pursue you, to pray, to have a relationship with you. You're saying that your will for me is to give thanks even when bad things happen. Not for the bad things, but because he is so big and eternity is so long that he will see restoration. That's what we read when we started. We said that he, Christ Jesus, through his cross, is reconciling all things to himself. Amen? So that's why we can give thanks. If we haven't won, we're just not done yet. And I can tell you, this life is not the end. This life's terminal. Every single one of us, if Jesus tarries, this life's terminal. At some point, we're going to be attending each other's funerals. But this life is not at the end. This is just a blink. This is just a vapor. This is just this small thing. And we get to practice the will of God while we're here. We get to use our spiritual eyes. We get to redeem our physical eyes. And we get to use our voice to call out his word. Rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Here's where we need God's help. We need discernment. Discernment's a spiritual gift. You want to receive it? Ask for it. If you don't have it, ask for it. If you don't have strong discernment in your life, find somebody that does. We need the body. Now, it says, don't despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Test everything. That's not suspicion, by the way. That's saying, God, what is this thought? Is Is this you or is this me? Is this the devil? Man, the other day, you know what my thought was? I need, I need to run home real quick. I just, I just need to run home real quick. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I, I didn't, have something, didn't have anything on my calendar. I said, I need to go home real quick. God, is that you? Yep. I, I just had that piece of like, I just need to go home. I, I mean, what? Wasn't a big deal, okay? If I missed it, I missed it. I started a string of events for the rest of the day. I got to bless my wife. We got, we got to go bless some other people. It was a hard day. It was a storm. It was one of those days. It was, it was, my, it was my father-in-law's birthday. He's been with Jesus about nine years now. So you know what? Just run home. You know what? We need to go to lunch. We just need to go to lunch together. We need to remember. God opened doors all day that day because of that one thing. I just need to run home. Sometimes we put our calendar, we put doing something before we place value on asking God what we should do. I, I know this may sound funny if you don't go, I don't, I don't know if I can hear God. Well, it takes practice, and it takes trial and error, and we've all missed it. 
okay? I've never had God just speak audibly to me. It comes in a thought. It, it comes in a thought that's selfless. It doesn't come from a thought that's selfish. It comes from a thought, that, a thought that's selfless. Sometimes it's, it's out of left field. Sometimes it's just, well, this just feels right. If you've studied the Scripture, you've, you're in a good church. You're getting to hear the Scriptures every time somebody's up here. We have such a great church. I love it. Then we get to see what wisdom is from above. It says so in the Scripture. It says what that is. And we start to follow those things. And we test everything, not in suspicion. We just, God, what, what are you saying here? Hold fast to what is good. So eat the meat, spit out the bones. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make, your, make you whole, spirit and soul and body. Be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. Did it say, Miss Terry, that you will surely do it? It said that he will surely do it. It's okay. I'm sorry. I, I, need, to get, I need to get better at setting that up. That's, that's on me. You will do it if you follow him, but he will surely do it. He will do it. I get a little sarcastic sometimes, but I don't know if anybody else does this, but I like reading the comment section on social media. <laughs> I'm just curious how people think. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. It's not there to... If I start getting like upset or contentious, I turn it off. I, I just am truly cur curious how people think. I, I, I find it fascinating why people do the things that they do. It's just fascinating to me. I was reading something one day and it said, it said, you just cannot counsel a demon. I'm like, that's true. You can cast them out. You, you, can, you can talk to a demon until you're blue in the face. It's not going to do a lick of good. But it's as simple as saying, um, you don't have authority to be here. Jesus said, get out of here. He's gone. Can I tell you the flip side is also true? The flip side that says, you cannot cast out your flesh. Jesus wants to sanctify your flesh until it's back in the garden, created, until we're, we're reflecting the image of Christ Jesus himself, until we're the mirror of what he's doing. Like, our body is not bad. Amen. Can I just tell you that? It's not bad. It's created by God. We've got to get past that thought, because our body is what gives us authority to bring heaven to earth here, to partner with his kingdom and his goodness. We have been redeemed, spirit, soul, and body. We can de defeat all of that other stuff with his truth. Listen to this. A double-minded man, we hear that in Scripture, says he will receive nothing, double-minded in all his ways. Well, I'm going to say this. You may agree with me or disagree with me, 
But I'm going to say that you can't be double-minded and lost. Think about it. I really believe you can only be double-minded if you actually have had your spirit woken up inside of you and you're fighting your flesh, you're giving in to your flesh. I mean, the lost, their spirit's still dead within them. Okay? Most of our battles come because we are double-minded. We're not living congruent lives. We have these values. We have this, this belief. We have this thing in us that is sanctified and pure and holy, and yet we're believing one way, we're living another way, and we are going three different directions at once. It will drive you crazy. I've seen it over and over again, and I don't mean that. I mean that quite literally. When we live incongruently with what God has placed in us, we become double-minded. That's why we need to value this body God's given us. We need to value the mind that he will give us the mind of Christ if we submit to him, if we look to him. Now, if we look to ourselves, we're back to double-minded all over again. So our spirit is brought to life and it is sealed by grace through faith in Jesus. Amen? Like that. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 4, it says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. God loves dead people. Do you? Do I? We were dead when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ by the grace by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with us with him in heavenly places in Jesus Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God. What you think about this, grace and faith are both gifts. You and I have been given the faith of Christ Jesus. Does his faith lack anything? No. The only, the only time our faith likes anything is when we point it in the wrong direction. That faith that he's placed in us is the same faith, the same faith of Christ Jesus. So our spirit is alive and sealed by grace through faith in Jesus. Our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions is in a progressive state of transformation. Let me say that slower. Our soul, our mind what we want to do, our will, and our emotions are in a progressive state of transformation. But listen to 2 Corinthians 3.16 through 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Think about it. Have you ever been in the dark? Have you ever had something covering your face and you couldn't see? When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. God, I need peace. Well, the veil's still there. Let me, let me rephrase that. I need peace. I need peace. I need peace. The veil's still there. When we turn to God, then we have peace. We can't ask God for peace. I, I misspoke there. But when that's our focus is the fruit, we miss being able to produce the fruit. Our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our emotions are in the progressive state of transformation. So in 2 Corinthians 3.16, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all 
Uh, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. One degree to another, to another, to another, to another. As long as we're walking this earth, we're being transformed if we're looking to him. We can choose to keep the blinders up. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So that's how we, we renew our mind, the world. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's our job here, is to share the love of God. Jesus said in John 17, I, I love the high priestly prayer in John 17. He said, Basically, that God and him are one, and then you and you, us and him are one. We are one with Jesus. And he said that we couldn't go with him where he's going right now because we have a job to do here. And that job to do here is to share the love of God with the world. Because if we have received it, we want to give it. I say it again. If we've received the love of God, we want to give it. If we've received the hope, if we found the hope of Jesus, we want to give it. And if you haven't received it, that's okay. He wants to give it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. He wants to give it to you, not because you're good enough, not because you're clean enough, but because he created you and he wants to see you restored. Colossians 1.20 says, Through him to reconcile to himself all things. We started with this, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Can I tell you something about growing things? First off, I want to be a growing thing. I want to grow. When I say growing, I'm talking about being transformed into the image of Christ. I want to be a growing thing. I don't want to be stagnant because there is no such thing as standing still. You're either moving towards in faith or you're moving away. Growing things are messy. Neat and tidy are not signs of growth. I'm sorry. Neat and tidy aren't signs of growth. You ever had a baby in the house? Like, man, summertime's here. We've had some messes. There's some growth and creativity, but boy, it, it leaves a trail. Growing things are messy. They're not neat and tidy. That's why we need community. We need people around us because we're messy. People are messy. There's actually a scripture in, in the, the Psalms or the Proverbs that says, when there's ox in the barn, you know what else is there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Growing things 
There's some mess. We can't pretend to be mature. You'll, you will mature. As you turn to the Lord, He will remove the veil. You'll mature. You'll stretch. You'll grow. You'll build muscles. You'll, you'll think, man, what I went through five years ago, that was nothing, but it was so hard then. Yeah. And there's some, I'm, I'm thankful, there's some grandpas among us. There's some grandmas among us that have been there that have walked it. The stuff I was dealing, at, dealing with, we were dealing with at 30 years old, you know, I see most 30-year-olds dealing with it. You know, we survived. And we gained some wisdom. And we, we gained some spiritual muscle. We survived. You know, the people that are 10 years past me, they've been through the stuff I'm dealing with right now. It's nice to have them speak into my life. It's nice to have them put their arm around me and go, hey, you're doing good. We need to speak. We need to discern when others around us are struggling too. So we don't need to worry so much about being neat and tidy. If we're growing, there's going to be some growing pains. <laughs> Just think about the road construction happening right now. Please be nice. Please speak life. If we only use our natural eyes, we hide behind the four walls. As those walls close in on us, if we only use our natural eyes, if we don't look to Jesus as our hope, our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. I thought of that woman in the roadside motel with four kids of her own, and she's like mothering these other kids too. This room that she was staying in probably wouldn't have been a quarter of the stage with all these kids. And yet she had hope. In the middle of a storm, she knew where her hope was. So, discernment gives us wisdom on how to address things in the spirit, in the soul, and in the body. Are we looking for hope? Are we looking for peace, love, joy? Are we looking to get out of sinful habits? Are we struggling with negative thought patterns? Sin cycles and all those things that we just can't seem to get away from. Well, I want to tell you this tonight. External circumstances do not dictate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Our gaze does. What we're looking at determines that. We have been restored by Jesus' sacrifice, not our own. Sunday night, we were at a going away party for a student that we've had the privilege of hosting. And we were in, um, we were about 35 miles south of here. And the party let out at nine o'clock. And if you were here, you know what happened. We had a major storm come through, physical storm. I mean, wind, there was stuff knocked around, knocked over, all over the place. Well, I've driven for a living for about 20 years of my life. I can drive through stuff like that, right? But I'm thinking, man, I've got all these kids. We have 80 kids here. I mean, and they're teenagers. So, I mean, they're taking off here and there and everywhere. I've got my car full. And then my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter has her car full. And I'm going, what do we do? I look at the radar and I see red, nothing but red coming straight at us. And straight at us is one of those loops, Okay. You know what those loops are when it starts going back up in the middle of those storms. I mean, 
the doors of this building just sucked in and sucked out. I mean, it was intense. And so everybody's running out. Get in your cars. I mean, you're just pelted with sand and all these different things. And I look at it and I go, we prayed before we, we even walked outside. Like me and a couple of the other parents, we prayed. We, we commanded the storm to be gone. But how many of you know we still had something to do? We stand, and, but we don't stand in the same place. You know, like sometimes God says, go. Sometimes he doesn't say much. So we get out there and I'm thinking, man, I, her little car, I don't want her driving in this wind. I don't want her driving in this rain because it, it's coming our way. We haven't really seen anything about the wind yet. And so we pull in behind a, a building to kind of sh- shelter us a little bit and watch the radar and, and just pray. Oh, God, what, what do we do? He said, well, you prayed to be protected, right? Yeah. So do we stay? Do we go? And I just, I don't really hear much anything. Get a text from one of the other people at the party, and, and they thought it'd be funny to say, oh, we ran off the road. Kids, it's just kids, okay? We found out later that wasn't the truth, but that was one of the whispers too. I'm thinking, man, she's the same age as, as my daughter. I don't want her going through that. Fear starts coming up a little bit, Right? You're taking all the information in. You're taking all this, the radar, the phone calls, the text. Oh, yeah, we had to pull over in, at, at Choctaw and, and get out of it. There's hell here. There's all these other things. All right, God, what do we do? I'm starting to get anxious. You know what? We've prayed. You've got us. We can stand in the storm. We watch it and... Nothing's really happening. We said, okay, well, instead of driving through it, we're, the kids are hungry at this point, we're going to go get something to eat. I just said, God, you got our steps. So we get to the first restaurant, and everybody bells out, and it's lightning and thunder and all these things, and we get up to the door, and ah, they've closed the lobby. All right, get back in the cars. So we go, oh, we know that other one down the street, it's always open. So, but just to be safe, I jumped out of the car. Ah, they're open. Doors open. All right, guys, come on. 15 kids run into this restaurant. We walk in and they go, we're closed. Those doors were locked. Like, no, they weren't. They were wide open. No, we locked those doors. I'm sorry, but I have about 15 people that I'm responsible for right now and it's storming outside and we just came in, your doors were unlocked and you're telling me you didn't, that you locked them and that we have to leave. I'm starting to get aggravated. Can I just say I got a little bit angry? Like, what do we do? We're just trying to, get, we're just trying to wait out this storm, right? And I mean, teenagers, they're being teenagers. I was there one time. Like, thankfully, it was just once. And so the third time, I'm just like, I don't know why I even had to say it the third time. I said, no, the doors weren't locked, but we will leave when we can get out safely. You know, well, you got to get out of here. And I took a deep breath and I said, okay. I just felt the Holy Spirit say, what did you ask me for? Did you guide my steps? Then why are you griping? 
I know I'm not the only one that has ever felt that. Can I tell you that I don't know how, but we didn't even get rained on that night. We made it all the way home, avoided the storm. Everybody was safe. Everybody made it home that night safe, even those that we were worried about. Everybody was good. Sometimes that stronghold of our thought and our mind is we just want to gripe. We just want to complain. We were wrong. Somebody lied to us. Look, I just want to buy food for like 20 people. Do you not want to sell it? What are you griping about? What did you ask me for? We need to be a people that place our trust in him, where our hope comes from. And at this moment, I I would like to invite the, the, the worship team back up. I'd like to invite the altar ministry team to come down. What I feel in my heart is that if you have been struggling, if you have been dealing with that doubt, if you've been trying to cast the flesh out over and over again instead of looking to the Word, looking to Jesus who is the Word, don't leave here tonight still struggling. Get somebody to pray with you. Get somebody next to you to pray for you. You don't have to come down here. But I want to read one more scripture for you. When I was talking about peace earlier, this was the one that I was reading. In the middle of the storm, we can look to him. And it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my hope come? My hope, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See what he did there? He related it to how big God is. He created heaven and earth. My hope comes from the big guy who did everything. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is is your shade on your right hand. The the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Just join me in prayer. Father, I thank you that you are taking our gaze and you're gently touching our chin and saying, look to me. I'm the one that started this. I'm the one that's bigger than time. I'm the one that's bigger than creation because I created it. Lord, you're gently nudging our chin to look at you and to quit looking at where we fall short, to quit despising this creation that we're living in this body. Lord, to quit complaining when things don't seem to go well. Lord, we trust you that you will work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And Lord, we are they. So Lord, help us to not love ourselves more than we love you. Lord, we open our hearts, we open our minds. 
And Lord, we commit to you that tonight that we will cast down every high and lofty opinion that's within us. We will battle those things because we turn to you and you remove the veil and we are healed. Thank you for the liberty, for the freedom that you've given us. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you are reconciling all things to yourself. Help us to be ambassadors of this in Jesus' mighty name.